What up, what up? You are now tuned into the Lionhearted Podcast, where the fillers reside and only the strong survive. I'm your boy, Maine, so let's get into it. Yep, yep, yep. So today I'm dropping another bonus episode on y'all. I'm calling it a bonus episode because it's not my original drop day of every Wednesday. But a lot has went on this past weekend in the world of sports, so I figure why not talk about it. We all know that we're in the midst of the NBA playoffs as we speak. One team has been eliminated already. They got swept out, which was the Brooklyn Nets. Then you got Minnesota Timberwolves, who just kept their season alive by winning a crucial game four on their home floor. Anthony Edwards went crazy. Matching his game with the mentality, walking the walk, talking the talk, and all that. But I'm going to get into that a little later. What I want to start out with first is probably the biggest story that's going on right now. This past Saturday, we finally got to see the fight that we all been wanting to see. And that is King Ryan Garcia versus Javante Tank Davis. Now, during all the pre-fight hype, trash talking back and forth which we all love as true boxing fans and I say true boxing fans because nowadays I believe it's a little bit watered down a lot of people watch the fight just for the entertainment value and that's cool but it's like how we're picking the fighters or how we're picking the fights it's kind of very off-putting given the times that we live in now If you've seen the majority of Tank fights, which I have, but I've also seen the majority of Ryan's fights, and they're both great fighters. Ryan has a height advantage. He has a reach advantage. But I feel like Tank controlled him mentally. And it's crazy because now, I'm I'm glad I waited to record this episode because more information has came out post-fight than us as fans actually knew. Now the Garcia camp is saying that there was a mole inside of there the whole time, giving Tank information on what the game plan was. But if you listen to the pre-fight trash talk, if you paid attention to it very closely, Tank let us know without letting us know. He tried to let Ryan know, but, you know, when it's just pre-fight trash talk, you try everything in your power to brush it off. Uh, Excuse me. You don't want nobody to get inside your head. So I respect it on Ryan's part. But he said it. Oh, I know what you're doing over there. I know what you're doing. And on the outside looking in, that would look like, oh, he's just talking. He's just saying that. If what Garcia is saying is the truth, which I believe it is, because, you know, money talks. And we all know Tank is a part of the money team. And where the money go, the people go. So having a mole in the opposing camp is not out of the realm of this possibility. But the way the fight went, it kind of went, the flow of the fight went the way I kind of expected it to go. And many people would say that, oh, it was a boring fight because we want to see haymakers. We want to see knockouts. They talked about, they talked about, 
breaking each other's jaw and all that. And that would have been exciting to see. So when the fight first started, Ryan came out with guns blazing. He won the first round, hands down. So what does Tank do in the second? He gets that crucial knockdown. When you knock somebody down in a fight, if you don't knock them out, but you just knock them down, you're going to be ahead on points unless they can do the same to you. So from the second all the way to the end, all Tank had to do was box. And as I mentioned, even though Ryan has the height advantage and the reach advantage, Tank closed off the ring by keeping it toe-to-toe, close to the pocket, and that devastating left hook that Garcia got is useless at that point because you're in too close quarters to get full extension on that. And the smaller fighter, the more pocket fighter, the closer the closer quarters, the advantage goes to the smaller fighter. Like I said, Tank got the knockdown in the second round, but Ryan got back up to his credit. So from rounds three through six, it was just all purely boxing at that point. Like I said, to the naked eye, the not-so-boxing fan, the not-so-knowledgeable fan, it seemed boring. But if you've been known to watch the fights, such as myself, it's all about strategy. The goal is to not get hit. As much as we want to see hits, the goal is to not get hit. Floyd taught us that. Same thing they saying about Tank, they used to say about Floyd. Floyd's boring. He runs. He does all this. Then you mention the old school, but look at all of them. A lot of them don't even know their own name. Why? Because they took a lot of those massive hits. See, now it's more strategic. It's all about the money. It's all about strategy. And it's crazy because I give Tank all the credit in the world for sportsmanship post-fight more than during the fight. And of course, you're going to sell the fight in any way, shape, or form. So you're going to say whatever needs to be said. And a prime example of that, and you can go look it up yourself, is the Adrian Broner versus Polly Mazinaji fight back in the day. That pregame trash talk was probably the best ever because boy went deep. AB went deep on that one. So you can go look that up to know exactly what I'm talking about. But during the trash talking phase, too, they was on Instagram. Everything is through social media now, so it's a little bit different than what it used to be. They was on IG Live. And he, um, he being tank, told Ryan, let's do winner take all. And Garcia, to his credit, was like, all right, bet. Now, I don't know if they actually did it. I don't know if they actually drew up that second contract to, you know, with lawyers and promoters and stuff. Everybody got to agree on it once you decide what the purse is going to be, the purse split is going to be. And to those that don't know, the purse in boxing is the money. It's not an actual purse. But post-fight, Tank let Ryan keep that. And then Ryan, to his credit, he gave Tank his credit. 
And it's crazy because I didn't see the disrespect post-fight that you saw pre-fight, even from the audience. A lot of people said it was boring, but also a lot of people gave their respect where respect is due. Some people did say, like, this fight should have happened two years ago. And we can always say that. I mean, we're never going to be satisfied. Let's just be honest about the situation. We're never going to be truly satisfied. Two years ago, Ryan would have been, what, 22? Tank would have been 26. Same outcome, Ryan was too young. Same thing they did with the Canelo and Floyd Money Mayweather fight. He was a pup. He was he was just getting started. But, see, that fight, the errors was different. So now if they fight with Canelo being at the top of his powers, Floyd is old. Floyd is retired. Floyd is a promoter now. And I don't mean saying he old as disrespect, but in a fighting sense, him versus Canelo, it would not make no sense. That's why he's doing exhibitions now. Because you're still trying to keep that money rolling in, but and you're still trying to hone your craft. But in a combat sport, we all know Father Time is undefeated when it comes to that. And it's crazy because the roles have reversed because what Canelo is doing now is what Floyd was doing then. And now what are they saying? At first, Canelo was a warrior, just like Floyd was. When when it was Pretty Boy Floyd, he was a warrior. Now that he was Money Mayweather, he picks his fighters. But when you're the boss, and I was explaining this to my bro, when you're the boss and and you make all the money, you get to call all the shots. That's why Tank was able to put that hydration, that rehydration, excuse me, clause into the contract. That's why he was able to pick the catch weight. Because Tank's name is what carried this fight. As great as a fighter as Ryan Garcia is, Javante Davis, his name being on that ticket, whether you want to see him win or lose, whether you want to see him win or lose, he carried this fight, his name alone, with him being a part of the money team. And then now that he's 1-0, and I seen a little post-fight, a little pep-up talk between Conor McGregor and Ryan Garcia, and he's like, we will want to see it again. I believe every fight is set up for a rematch. It's rare that you get the trilogy aspect, like George Foreman and Ali, even though I feel like that was more organic. That was just them two back in the day. Like, hey, I need that. I, I believe a rematch was set up before the outcome even happened. And it's crazy because a lot of people are probably thinking like, oh, this fight was fixed. I don't think so. Because they both have the same knockout power and they both have victories with the body blow. Because in the seventh round, like I said, Tank stayed close in the pocket. So if you wasn't really paying attention, you missed it. I was watching the fight, but even I missed it. I had to see it on replay to know exactly what happened. Because they was in the clinch. They was both throwing the little pot shots. They was in the clinch. And then all of a sudden, you just see Ryan back out. And he dropped to the knee. That's like, wait a minute. Did he just give up on the fight? Just like, 
So for a split second there, I'm like, oh man, they had this in the works. Like, you know, like, hey, we're going to take it long enough to where it looks respectable on your end, but I'm going to come out on top. You're going to get paid. We both going to get paid. And then we're going to run it back once you fight a couple nobodies, get a couple more wins, and I'll see you again. But then when you watch the replay, he got him good with the liver punch. He got him real good, too. And I don't think it was the punch itself that made him say no mas. It was the thought of what could come next. Because he psychologically, when it comes to combat sports, whether it's boxing or UFC, once you get into somebody's mind, they're defeated. You got them. Regardless of what the, like, you know, control the mind and the body will follow. It's an old saying. You know what I mean? So... For those who was just watching it to see Tank fall, ha, we told y'all that what was going to happen. We told y'all what the outcome was going to be. To the true boxing fans, salute to y'all for tuning in. Now, that $87, I'm going to just be all the way real. I ain't pay for that. Most of us was on streaming, on Fire Stick. It's different than what it used to be. You know, we actually used to pay for the Tyson and Holyfield and Lennox Lewis fights and all those back in the day. I remember when I was a kid, it wasn't all the time. It was a couple of, like, maybe once or twice. We we had the fight over at the house when I was growing up. And this is when Tyson was at the height of his powers. And you go to the bathroom, the fight is over. You know what I mean? So I learned a long time ago, hey, Try to find the fight for free in today's day and age instead of paying for it. Still all the support in the world. I know y'all made y'all money. Y'all didn't necessarily make it off of me, but... Yeah, but with that being said, I would love to see a round two between Tank and Garcia. Well, Ryan said he's going up, so maybe maybe the, the weight will be 140 this time. Maybe he'll go up to welterweight... I believe it's 147 is the weight for the welterweight division, if I'm not mistaken, just off the top of my head. So maybe it'll get to the point where they both move up. I mean, Ryan said he felt strong at first, but then post-fight, he's like, oh, my legs wasn't there and things of that nature. I mean, we're always, hindsight is 20-20. If he had won, we wouldn't have heard nothing about his legs and the rehydration. But since he lost, we heard about it. But, see, the thing about it is, Tank made a good point. You a 135 fighter, or 130, 130 or 135, he said one of them. I believe it was 135. He said he a 135 fighter, which is true. So the catch weight was 136. And you got to look at it like this. When they make a big deal out of that clause, yes, it matters. But Tank got to abide by the same rules as Ryan do. And that's it. You, you work, you train, you starve yourself, you do with whatever they need to do to make that catch weight. But the second you do the weigh-in, you got to get busy. You got to get your fluids back in. You got to get your weight back up. So I, I, I believe it was like, I want to say like 142, 144, something like that. At time of fight that you can rehydrate up to. So it was about 8 to 10 pounds. But like I said, 
this wasn't just one physically. It was one from the psychological standpoint. But yeah, we would like to see a round two for sure. So whenever that happens, we'll all be tuning in. And maybe after listening to this, you'll tune in with a different ear pre-fight and a different eye during the fight. And you'll have a whole new perspective on boxing after the fight. Okay, so next I want to touch on basketball in the playoffs a little bit. Okay, so the way things are going, we kind of expected them to go. We kind of expected the Philadelphia 76ers to sweep the Brooklyn Nets. Yes, the Brooklyn Nets have some talented pieces. And mind you, this was even without Ben Simmons, but that's been a saga all year. So he's been checked out mentally well before he checked out physically. But they have some nice young pieces on Brooklyn, but let's be honest. The only reason why there was a sixth seed to begin with is because what KD and Kyrie did for the Nets before the trades even went down. Mikael Bridges may be a budding star. That's the one good thing that we've seen over that series that going forward in the East, he might be something to reckon with. But Philly took care of their business. Then you had the Celtics, who everybody got them penciled in, including myself, as coming out of the East, going to the finals. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, and the rest of the crew. And I'm going to be honest, I expected them to sweep Atlanta. Just the talent differences, and then with Atlanta having that coaching change mid-season, as good as coach, as good as a coach, excuse me, as Quinn Snyder is, you always supposed to give a coach a full offseason to implement their system. Because he has to place his teachings into their mental. Because he's telling them one thing, but a lot of them, I'm sure, are still remembering a lot of the principles that Nate McMillan instilled in them. So it's, it's kind of rough. But Superior talent-wise, it's not even close. As good as Trey Young and DeJounte Murray are as a backcourt, Clint Capella is serviceable, Hunter's young, and Collins, he plays sometimes, he want to be there, sometimes he don't. It's a money issue behind it. We get it. But superior talent-wise, the Celtics are on a mission. They got something to prove. They lost in the finals last year. Like, they got a goal. Like, they want to break the 18th championship record just like we do, the Lakers. So, and they finally see we got a good team now. They got a good team now. And it's like, hey, either we're going to meet at the end, like I predicted, or if y'all don't get it, we going to get it type thing. We just can't let y'all get it before we get it. I know that's how the Celtics are thinking. And... Jason Tatum is budding into the face of the league in front of our eyes, especially with all the injuries that's going on. You got Giannis out, you know what I mean? And that's probably the biggest one of all, in the East anyway, with Giannis being out. Now, if Giannis come back, the Bucks are tested. So 
anything can happen. But they're kind of long in the tooth. They're what you would consider old. This is probably their last run. Not Giannis individually, but this is their last run, I believe, collectively as a group. And then after that, with the Bucks, changes will be made. I don't believe it'll be Coach Bud, but I believe like the front office will start making trades and try to get a little bit younger. Because Giannis is still considered young. So you need the pieces to match up with him. Like, yeah, Drew Holiday is... He's not old. He's not young, but he's not old either. But he's more of a a third star. You don't want him as your best... Your second best player, excuse me, behind Giannis. It's supposed to be Chris Middleton, but with his injury history, I would move off that if I could. But the Celtics seem like they have all the pieces to make a deep run. It's all mental at this point. So I'm expecting to see a gentleman sweep out of them and them to move on to the next round to have a dogfight with Philadelphia, who's sitting at home waiting. And the benefit of that is it's allowing... The the longer the Celtics series go, the longer Joel Embiid gets the rest up and gets the rest at knee. And a healthy Joel Embiid is scary. You might, have Rob, you might have Robert Williams and you may have Al Horford with Boston. But Joel Embiid will be the MVP and you don't want to see the MVP in a seven-game series. Not as a big man. Not as dominant as Joel Embiid has been over this past year. And then you got out west, then you got Minnesota. They stayed alive. Anthony Edwards said they wasn't going out like that. And the thing about that is he backed it up. Like I said in previous episodes, Denver has always, had, <clears throat> excuse me, has always been fool's gold to me. So it's not surprising. Like, yeah, they got Jokic, but what else they got after that? Everything else after that is hit and miss. Jamal Murray is hit and miss. Aaron Gordon is hit and miss. KCP is hit and miss. I mean, they traded away one of their spark plugs to the Clippers in Bones Highland. I believe that was a mistake. Thought it was a mistake then, and I stand on that now. But we'll see. Do I believe... I believe Minnesota can get back to Minnesota for a game six. I believe they can go in Denver and get game five if they come out with the right mentality. Ant has the mentality. Alexander Walker... Alexander Walker has that mentality. But your two big dogs up front, we know they soft. We know they soft. And that's Rudy and Big Cat. They don't got it like that. So hopefully Ant-Man can pump in some of his fearlessness into them. Because they're going to need it. A team has never came back from 0-3. Hey, they say never say never. We got to see it at some point. Why not now? I would love to see Denver go home as a number one seed. Just after all the, oh, Jokic is going to be the three-time back-to-back MVP. That's disrespectful to the MVPs that has come before him that only got one or even two. You know what I mean? So, I mean, just think about that. Shaq only got one, and y'all want Jokic to have three? (laughs) Let me say that again. Shaquille O'Neal, the most dominant big of our generation that we've ever seen. We ain't get to see Wilt. Now, if you saw Wilt, you might have a different take, but Shaq was our Wilt, and he only has one MVP, and that's criminal. And I'm only going to mention Shaq. I could, it's a, I could go down a long list of people that should have won and all that, but I'm not going to do that. But just think about that. Shaquille O'Neal only has one, and they're trying to give Gian- Giannis three. 
it makes no sense. Yes, he's good, but is he a life changer? Is he a game changer? Shaq literally, wherever he went, when he went from Orlando, he shifted the balance of power from the east to the west. Then when he went to Miami, he switched it back. So it was like wherever Shaq went, the championship was soon to follow. You don't get that when it comes to Jokic. And then you have the two best series, in my opinion, that I've been watching. In the East, you have the 4-5 matchup with the Knicks and the Cavaliers. And the reason why I say that's one of the best to me is because, yes, it's bringing New York alive again. And when it comes to sports, anytime New York is doing great, it's good for the sports fan, even if you're not a fan of that team or that region. It's just good all the way around when New York is successful because they're the biggest market, whether it's for the jokes or now that they're winning. Y'all done seen 7th Avenue. Y'all done seen the videos. They didn't have to shut that down. Coming out of the garden is like, they're, they literally celebrate every win like, like the Lakers usually do in June down the parade route. And I love to see it because it's New York. That's the most New York thing ever. And it's interesting because if you look on paper, the Cleveland Cavaliers, who do have the home court advantage, they look great on paper. You know, Karis LeVert, Donovan Mitchell, Jared Allen, Mobley, uh, Darius Garland. Can't forget about DG. On paper, they look great. But to me, they're the true definition of on paper. You look up on paper in the dictionary, you're going to see a picture of the starting five of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And it's crazy because the Knicks wanted Donovan Mitchell so bad with him being for that from that area. Excuse me. And it's like, dang, yeah, now you're playing in the garden, but you're an opposing player, and now you're getting all the garden has to offer at this point. Because the Knicks got a lot, a lot of young players, and it's finally starting to click. And Tim Thibodeau has always been a, Tom Thibodeau, excuse me, has always been a solid coach. Even from his time with the Bulls, uh, when Derrick Rose won his MVP, even when he was basically the defensive assistant when the Celtics beat my Lakers back in 08. Tom Thibodeau, it was the perfect, just his attitude and his swag, it's the perfect thing for New York. So it just fits. And Jalen Brunson is the best free agent off-season off signing in the NBA. I heard some things where it said in NBA history, not... Nah, that would always be when Shaq went from Orlando to the Lakers. That's all. That'll always be the greatest. I mean, and then second is LeBron to Miami. But Shaq will always be the greatest free agent signing because, like I said, it shifted the balance of power. Jalen Brunson brought the Knicks back alive, but I don't know if he shifted the balance of power. Because I still believe whoever come out West, whoever come out of the Western Conference is going to win the championship. Whether it's my Lakers or whether it's the Phoenix Suns, whoever come out of the West will win the NBA championship for 2023. You heard it here first. If you didn't know, you now you know. And then you got out West, you got the Battle of Northern California. Sacramento Kings, who was finally back in the playoffs 
after over 15 years versus defending champions, Golden State Warriors, De'Aaron Fox versus Stephen Curry, Keegan Murray and Klay Thompson, the mat, every Sabonis and Draymond, all the matchups is just there. And then it's like the story within the story, and they not really talking about this, but HB, which is Harrison Barnes, actually was a starter on the Warriors' first championship run in 2015. And now he's a starter for the Kings. He, they actually trust him. I mean, even though De'Aaron Fox is the clutchest player, well-deserved on the award, it was the first time they had that award. But if you look at Harrison Barnes' numbers, and I didn't notice until I looked at it this morning. So I looked at it this morning, I did not notice. He's one of the clutchest players in crunch time in the NBA. And he's been that way since he's been in the league, even when he was with the Warriors. I want that series to go seven. From a fan perspective, and a strategy perspective. Because whoever come out of that series, they got to see my Lakers. So if we can wrap it up in five, a gentleman sweep on the Grizzlies like we should if we handle our business, I want them to go seven. Beat the hell out of each other for all I care because it's going to help me out in the long run. But it's very exciting because it's going to be, well, the Kings don't have to win on the road if they just take care of business because they do got home court advantage. But the thing about it is, can the Warriors now go back up to sack or down to sack in their case? Can they go down to sack and can they win on the road? They've been terrible all season. I think they only won like 10, 11 games all season. So to me, that New York and Cavaliers uh, matchup and then the Sacramento and Golden State matchup, those have been the two most even and the two most best finals in, I mean, be, uh, not finals, but best series in the playoffs, excuse me. And then tonight, like I said, my Lakers, if we take care of business against the Grizzlies, Jaws back, Dylan, Brick, Dylan Brooks didn't get suspended from his uh, nut punch on LeBron, which I'm happy about because, I, I mean, even as a man, nobody wants to get hit in that area, right? But I don't think he tried to do it. And even if he did, no, nah, I want to beat them at their best so it ain't no excuses. Like, you know what I mean? Because even though the Cleveland Cavaliers came down, came back from down 3-1 in 2016, what do we all say? Well, Draymond was suspended for game five for the little incident with Brian. And for the rest of forever, that will always be kind of a narrative to kind of throw shade on what the Cavaliers were able to do. So I want no excuses. I want both teams fully healthy. Nobody suspended because we ready for all the smoke. We want all that. And we dominated the first quarter of game one, 35 to nine. And that's basically what won us the game because the next three quarters, they beat us by like 20. We got to be on. We got to learn how to. We got to learn how to put our foot down when a team is wounded. I don't know what it is. Well, I kind of know what it is being a Lakers fan. Like, it's that everybody wants to play great against the Lakers. So 30 years from now, they can always have that story to tell. Like how I went in kind of on Xavier Tillman. In the last bonus episode I dropped, 
No No Lake Show. Lake No Show. That was the title. Lake No Show, because we didn't show up in game two in Memphis. And Xavier Tillman had his career high. Xavier Tillman had his career high. Y'all want to know how much he had in game six? Or game three, excuse me. He had six. See, I don't know, I already got ahead of myself because it was so, like, the way it swung, like, to you being celebrated, having your career high, but then now you don't got, then now you, you, that's who you are. You're six points. We knew that. Us as fans, we knew that. Like, we knew that's who you are. The law of averages. You are who you are. That's just like game two. Dylan Brooks, he called LeBron old. He was doing a lot of talking. And this is why I said I'm glad he wasn't, he's not suspended. Because we'd rather have him on the floor laying bricks like he was. I feel like when he off the floor, that more that benefits the Grizzlies. Because then you have um, their sharpshooters on the floor. And we all know he can't shoot. He's a wannabe Draymond, like Draymond said on his podcast. He's trying to be tough. He's trying to be... But Draymond got the hardware to back it up. Draymond is actually a defensive player of the year. Draymond got rings. He's that motor that makes the Warriors go. We all know that. Dylan Brooks is more of a hindrance. He just run his mouth. But one thing about it is, and that's why I did the bonus episode that I did. Because like I said, I can't only talk about the good points of us. I got to, like, when we don't show up, I got to mention that as well. But Dylan Brooks, you were doing a lot of talking. And Bron, which surprised me, he walked you down pregame. Walked you down. Now what? You about to get all this work. You know what I mean? You about to get all this work. You did all that talking, about to get all this work. Then you come out, Dylan Brooks, with a 3 for 15. Missed the first 8 and 9 shots. And not only that, yeah, you got ejected. Why you didn't want to talk? You didn't want to talk to the media, bro. You were quiet. You ain't had nothing to say. You ain't had nothing to say. Like... That's what irritates me the most. You had a lot to say when everything was going good. Talk that talk when it's not going not so good. Talk that talk. Be who you are. After a loss, Draymond hops right on his podcast. Hey, man, we, we didn't have it tonight. But whatever. He owns up to it. Dennis Rodman. He was irritating you whether he was winning or he was losing. He won more than he lost, but still, no matter what, he was going to be right there every time with that same effort. So keep that same energy, bro. So I hope you come out game four with that game two energy so Bron can really give it to you, so AD can really give it to you, so AR can really give it to you. And if you listen to the post-game comments, everybody's talking about, oh, Ja, the Lakers couldn't contain Ja. He scored 22 straight points. If you listen to LeBron and AD postgame, sounds like that was part of the plan. Because if Ja makes 6 of 10 from 3 tonight, as I record this, they deserve to win. But like I said, you play them law averages, you're like a 29% three-point shooter. So I like our chances. But yeah, I just wanted to drop a little nugget on y'all, a little bonus episode. Been trying to stay more consistent with my content. And it's been working out real good so far. So, yeah. After a great weekend in sports. 
after a good episode today, giving y'all something to start y'all week off with. And always remember, just because their vision is blurry, that doesn't diminish your greatness. Until next time, stay lionhearted.